Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live, 101.3 KPCG, and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on this weekend edition, some headlines to look at, including a possible new U.S. budget that is... uh, huge <laughs> and there's a lot in it we're going to take a look at some of that also uh trouble in uh, california on a few fronts sacramento's having some problems with uh, uh some anti-police movements and then uh, a lot of debris and garbage in uh, san francisco as well uh, that and a lot more coming up on this edition of trumpet radio live Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. And uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. And if you'd like to send an email, send those uh, comments or questions or whatever you'd like to uh, comments at kpcg.fm. And uh, we're happy to take a look at those. I'm Dwight Falk, and Grant Turgeon is here today as well. Both of us glad that the weekend is about to begin Busy week, you know. You always, I always look forward to a little bit of extra rest and uh, uh, recharging the batteries, so to speak. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's time for that right now. I just started to feel it like half an hour ago. <laughs> and then we have these comfortable chairs we're sitting in. <laughs> if you start nodding off, I'll uh, I'll uh, throw something at you. Okay. <laughs> I have a dry erase marker here. I'll toss that over at you. Swing your microphone stand toward me. Yeah. That used it to rotates happen. around. That used to happen in... Uh, school occasionally i remember a couple of teachers used to throw pencils and pens at yeah. people if they fell asleep and probably can't do that today probably not the safest thing to do but uh i remember that happening that was my favorite moment in all of school it happened one time that the teacher threw it at one of my classmates and i just couldn't stop laughing the whole rest of the class <laughs> <laughs> wake up we had one teacher that used to throw the football around the room cool which was kind of neat that's what sean hannity does after his program a lot of the time just yeah tosses a football in the studio yeah we used, we also uh a radio station I worked at, we used to throw the football around, and the boss was the one that got it going, so <laughs> yeah. it was fine. But the challenge was there was a long hallway, and you had to zip it. I think I might have said this before, but anyway, you had to throw it down the hallway without hitting the ceiling or the walls. And that went on for a while, and then uh, eventually we were told to knock it off. <laughs> but it was fun. Hey, the boss started it, so. You must have eventually hit something. Yeah, the on-air light that blinks oh, us, yeah. that shattered, and then... Uh, <laughs> I think one of the uh, I think the general manager almost got hit, and that was the end of it. <laughs> so when the general manager comes out of his office, and that's that's time to put the football away. He was down at the end of the hall. <laughs> so uh, got caught right in the act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, lots of headlines to take a look at today, including this one from the Sun: a uh, suspected ISIS gunman has killed I think three now is the updated total and wounded a dozen others as he took eight hostages at a French supermarket according to police Uh, the attacker who screamed vengeance for Syria before shooting at cops in uh, southeast uh, France there uh, demanded the release of Paris attacker Selah Abdeslam I believe Anyway, uh, that's not going to happen, and then the, the police did shoot and kill the attackers. So that's what happened over there in uh, France today. And it's important to note that France actually doesn't 
have the right to bear arms. They don't they don't allow people to own guns unless it's for hunting. But still a shooting took place. And that's mm-hmm. uh something like with uh that what was that about Bataclan massacre where there was over a hundred people killed. I think that's what they use at that Charlie Hebdo oh. uh like that that newspaper branch as well it's guns that are killing a lot of they're using guns to kill a lot of people but they're not allowed to have guns over there so how is that still happening yep that's the thing the criminals will never give up their weapons and so uh and and then the citizens can't protect themselves this particular individual he uh shot at some officers then he he ran uh into a super u store uh, then he killed a butcher, one other person, and then apparently somebody else has died too. Wounded at least twelve people. The shooter then took eight hostages, seven of whom uh, had been released. And of course, that situation I think has ended now. Uh, the attacker reportedly demanded uh, again the release of some other people. Uh, he is believed to be holed up in the supermarket at the time of the story, but again, he was shot and killed. Last report. And uh, so they, the French Prime Minister said that uh, it seems to be a terrorist act. Yes, I would. I would concur. It does seem to be a terrorist act. And uh, so whether it's cars or bombs or guns, terrorism pops up there uh, in uh, Europe. And uh, so anyway, it's just another another one of those attacks. Um, it's funny, too, because uh, it's not even – it was uh, maybe the top headline when it was breaking, but uh, it's dropped down quickly. It's just, just common, you know. People are so used to it. And this one story would dismantle the whole narrative that we're seeing here in America right now about how we need to strictly control the guns or get rid of the guns. This attacker was able to shoot at the police, then run away, then kill a couple people, then run away, then then injure some more, then run away and take some hostages. And all of that could have been stopped by one law-abiding citizen with a gun. And yet, here he is just basically going on a rampage and he's able to go from place to place without hardly any fear of getting shot unless he sees a police officer. Right, yeah, you compare this story to the Maryland school shooting this week, and uh, that individual was stopped pretty much right away because there was a resource officer with a weapon there. So it's interesting. The gun debate keeps happening here in in the U.S., and there's a video that's up on uh, YouTube now. I don't know how long it'll stay there, but an interview with one of these... uh, I guess he's one of the kids that's kind of at the forefront of this anti-gun movement. And uh, it's uh, it's not a good uh, interview because he uses a lot of bad words. But he he, he said, uh, you know, he said, it's like when your parents are trying to send an iMessage and they don't know how to do it. And you say, give me the phone. And you do it in a second. He's like, that's what we need to do with the government. Our parents don't know how to use it. So we're going to use this democracy. Well said. Uh, uh, we have the next George Washington, apparently, because the democracy is exactly like sending an iMessage. As if not being up to date on the latest technology makes you completely incompetent in all the important areas of life. Right. Just foolish talking, but yet, you know, being hailed as a hero. Actually, I, I saw the latest uh, Time magazine had a bunch of those students on the front cover, and uh, they didn't dress up for it from what I saw. <laughs> they were wearing some pretty shoddy clothing, but... Anyway, so there on there is some sort of forefront of a movement, and uh, I think some of these celebrities have come out and said that they are making them proud of their country again and all this. So they're getting a lot of praise, but again, it, it's uh, very, um, uh, well, they just don't know what they're doing, first of all, 
and uh, it's a very emotional movement. Yet at the, at the same time, we talk about stories today where there's a terror attack there in uh, in France, and a guy with a gun can basically, you know, uh, kill three, take many more hostages, and and finally, what happens? How does it get solved? Um, they shot and killed him. Mm-hmm. That's how it ended. That's how it has to end when you have evil people who are not going to abide by any gun laws. And the other aspect of this story is that it looks like he's a radical Islamist terrorist, which is a a phrase that doesn't get said like it should because it's politically incorrect, apparently. Uh, But you have to stop evil decisively. There was a Trumpet Hour program about that recently on this station. You have to actually take decisive action against it or else it will just ruin your whole life. It's very easy to say make make sort of a theoretical uh, argument against guns or something, but say for those students that are saying get rid of guns and whatever exactly they're saying, do they want to do they want to be responsible to say go and stop a situation like this <clears throat> and say okay well I don't I don't know how it's going to be solved but you had all the answers so you go take down this this gunman you, you, because you said you wanted you know, guns to be gone. So, okay, so you go deal with this now. It's very easy to just throw out ideas and so forth, but when you're not responsible for the results, it's just talking. Who would have ever thought that so many millions of people around the world couldn't be reached by basic reason? It's like they're thinking that guns will suddenly disappear as soon as a law is passed, and there's just no logical way of coming to that conclusion it makes no sense at all there are still going to be evil people who are going to try to do evil things and you have to take actual concrete measures to stop that you can't just say that getting rid of the guns is going to solve the problem and anyone should be able to see that just from considering a couple of hypothetical scenarios that's all it would take to understand uh, what the truth of the matter should be well, I saw a headline today too. I didn't read the story, but it it said uh, the town that made makes guns. <clears throat> they have a factory there, I guess. They're coming to grips with their part in the Parkland shooting. They don't have any part in it, not at all. No more than you know a, a car company has if somebody decides to be a drunk driver. That that's personal responsibility. It doesn't have anything to do with the gun. So, but a headline like that, you know, oh, they're responsible. They're not responsible for anything. The kid that did it, he's responsible. In all the headlines that we see today about this, you don't see any headlines about the shooter anymore. No. Or about like what his situation was or what the family situation was. You know, see, the guy that actually did it is almost forgotten, and but now it's all about the, the weapon. Well, that's how it is now. There's so much hatred toward uh, a certain type of political belief that disagrees with them that they're going to literally just target Republicans or conservatives or anyone who is pro-gun, those are the people who are at fault. The law-abiding members of the NRA who joined that group so that they could learn how to responsibly handle their firearms, those people are somehow at fault. And the anger is just totally misdirected. Evil people are the ones who are doing evil things. It's not people who happen to be near a gun or haven't written enough laws against guns. That doesn't even make any sense. Evil is outlawed, by the way, in the Bible, but uh, people aren't uh, too quick to follow that one. Uh, Here's a story from Reuters. Speaking of weapons, this is a different type of weapon. China urges U.S. away from the brink as Trump picks trade weapons. China urged the United States on Friday to pull back from the brink as President Donald Trump's plans for tariffs on up to $60 billion worth uh, in Chinese goods moved the world's two largest economies closer to a trade war. 
China doesn't hope to be in a trade war, but is not afraid of engaging in one, the Chinese Commerce Ministry responded in a statement. They always have pretty well-worded statements, and they seem so innocent, but uh, they've been conducting a trade war in the U.S. for years. They've always had really unfair trade deals with the U.S., and this president, uh, this American president, is now trying to balance those deals out, make them more fair. It's just a question of whether he's doing it the right way. By putting a lot of tariffs on steel and aluminum, that's something that could uh, ruffle some feathers, so to speak. That could get other nations pretty upset pretty quickly, and it could cause a response that he's not expecting. And we're in a bad position because we're in so much debt. Uh, It says, in a presidential memorandum signed by President Trump on Thursday, there will be a 30-day consultation period that only starts once a list of Chinese goods is published that effectively creates room for potential talks to address Trump's allegations on intellectual property theft and forced technology transfers. Uh, Through, it says, uh, though the White House has said the planned tariffs were a response to China's economic aggression, Trump said he views China as a friend and the two sides are in negotiations. Well, that's a nice thing to say, too, but the Trump or the uh, Kia David program coming up next week highlights the fact that uh, China is not our friend. Not at all, and they're willing to resort to any below-the-belt measures to try to gain an advantage to corrupt U.S. politicians, for example. That's been in the news recently, and that's part of that Kiev David program. There are a lot of things, a lot of measures that certain nations are willing to take to get an advantage on the U.S., and you have to commend President Trump for trying to even out those trade agreements and try to have a more uh, even playing field, but the, the problem is... Uh, China has a lot of leverage on us, like you said, because of the debt, uh, because of how many nations in the world hate America and would gladly form an alliance to basically besiege the country. And that's uh, going to happen at some point. Uh, it says a Chinese commerce ministry official said that both sides were in touch, China and the U.S. China showed readiness to retaliate by declaring plans to levy additional duties on up to $3 billion of U.S. imports, including fruit and wine, in response to U.S. import tariffs on steel and aluminum, which were due to go into effect on Friday. Uh, They said, today, U.S. tariffs amount to no more than a slap on the wrist for China. That's according to Mark Williams, chief Asia economist at Capital Economics. He said China won't change its ways. Uh, Worries about escalation, therefore, won't go away. So it's, it's, you know, it's a fair bit of money, but as he says, it's just a slap on the wrist because they're, they're dealing in so much money. And like uh, that Kia David program points out, and again, that'll be next weekend. You have to, it's a must see, but, uh, it, you know, just highlights what China is doing also in the South China Sea. And there's trillions of dollars of trade that flow through there every single year. And they've basically taken over that entire area. And so uh, they are getting a strategic foothold on very important areas. And, uh, again, they're not, they're not the friends of the United States, for sure. Well, you did make a good point there, too, about China's carefully worded statements and how they try to make it sound like, well, a trade war is actually our last resort. It's something we don't really want. Is that true, though? Because they've been supporting North Korea for so long, which is a direct, overt, enemy of the U.S., if they were really America's friend, there would be a lot more indications of that. Uh, Maybe they would forgive more of U.S. debt. Maybe they would be more open to evening out these trade agreements with the U.S., but we haven't seen much of that, and they're directly challenging the U.S. in in their region by building all these islands, by 
uh, encroaching upon territorial waters of their neighboring nations. Uh, a lot of those things they're doing show that they're not really the U.S.'s friend. They're not really making life easier for America, so we can't trust them to hold off on a trade war and understand why we might want to make those trade deals more fair. Yeah, they want they want to rule the world, and they're uh, they're heading in that direction. Here's a really interesting story. Um, it was featured in the Trumpet Brief yesterday, uh, but it says protest outside Sacramento Kings Arena after uh, Stephen or Stefan, I guess Stefan Clark yeah. shooting delays NBA game. Uh, and so there was uh, Sacramento police uh, shot this fella. The Huffington Post headline is uh, Sacramento police said they were making changes and they killed Stefan Clark. <laughs> well, that's a pretty inflammatory headline. Wow. Some of the so they they were protesting the shooting of this man. He's a black fellow, uh, and he um, we'll get into the details of it. But anyway, so there was this big protest outside the Sacramento Kings game. They had to delay the game. I think he said what was it, nineteen minutes? Nineteen minutes, yeah. and there were only a few hundred people in the stands, as opposed to a potential probably like at least fifteen thousand that they would normally get. So the ones who got there really early were able to get in there, but then the police cut off everyone else from entering because it was so dangerous outside the arena. Man, can you imagine if you had been in there watching it and then you realize there's all this trouble outside? You'd be telling yeah. you have your kids there or something, be scared. So these people are out there protesting. Some of the signs read uh, Black Lives Matter, which you would expect, and then one other sign read Fight Ice Raids, uh, which has nothing to do with the matter on any level, but they just thought they'd throw that in there. Um, and there's some comments on the story. Again, this was a Huffington Post piece, so that's a pretty liberal uh, magazine or, or uh, write-up. Uh, and some of the uh, comments on it, uh, pretty common sense. It says, uh, Stefan Clark's death didn't have to happen, quoting the article. They say, that's right. Don't run away from the cops if you are not doing anything wrong. The story said cars were being broken into and police were chasing him. Uh, another comment says he ran and he reached in his pocket. I'm from the 80s, man. He said, even <laughs> we knew not to do that then. I can't imagine uh, things have changed now. <laughs> and then another comment says, yep, it was after 9 p.m., and he was trying to get into a neighbor's home via a back door, and when the police attempted to stop him, he ran and climbed fences. Until he was in his own backyard, he failed to follow directions uh, directives, and uh, with a phone in hand, it appeared he was armed. So, they say, yes, oh, 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 many things contributed to this guy's shooting, and he's responsible for all of them. It, that's, I mean, just, just common sense. The Trumpet Brief yesterday talked about this. Uh, the title is Inflammatory Irresponsible Headlines. And by the way, if you don't subscribe to this, you can subscribe for free at thetrumpet.com. It's a great uh, little brief that comes every day or Monday through Friday. It says, this morning we saw news, uh, this is Joel Hilliker writing, this morning we saw news of a tragic incident in Sacramento. Here are the headlines announcing it in mainstream media sources. CNN says, Sacramento police shot man holding cell phone in his grandmother's yard. Uh, Vox said, police shot and killed an unarmed black man in his own backyard. All he was holding was a cell phone. <laughs> ABC says, unarmed man killed by police who fired 20 rounds at him. Washington Post wrote, police shot at a man 20 times in his own yard, thinking he had a gun. It was an iPhone. And he says, just reading the uh, headlines, you get an unmistakable picture of out-of-control, trigger-happy policemen randomly murdering innocent, unassuming black people on their own property. These same basic facts, police killed, 20 rounds, black man, unarmed, cell phone, own backyard, grandmother, constituted the headlines um, and lead material for the New York Times, Sacramento Bee, BuzzFeed, and then, of course, Huffington Post. On and on it goes. He says, such reporting is not aimed at informing 
uh, as a public service. It is aimed at attracting clicks, fueling emotion, and irresponsibly stoking the provocative narrative of violently racist law enforcement making America unsafe for young black men. And sure enough, as he says, there's been uh, protests over the incident. Some happened last night again. And people, uh, you know, condemning killer cops, holding signs saying abolish the police. Yeah, abolish the police. That's a great idea. Well, you get the impression so far that this was probably a very young man since he was living with his grandmother, probably dressed in his pajamas, going outside in the backyard for a little stretch. Maybe he had his phone out while he was doing that, and he was about to go back inside and go to sleep. Right. That's That's the only impression you get. And then it sounds like as well, like... 30 police cars came up, surrounded the place, jumped over the fence, and then just filled them up with bullets. Right. That's what that's what it sounds like so far based on all those headlines. And like Mr. Hilliker says, there's a whole lot more to it. Right. He says, look just a little deeper and you see some additional facts. And again, some of these facts are in these articles, but way down at the bottom, and you got to read through it all. These facts are uh, at least as pertinent, he says, as those news editors have splashed across the headlines. What about the fact that the man had apparently been breaking into vehicles or that police witnessed him shatter a sliding glass door in an occupied home? What if you lived in that home? Would you be glad somebody did something about it? I would be. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Then he ran and jumped a fence into another property. What about the officer's claims that when they gave him commands to stop and show his hands, he ran? The fact that he was unarmed is easy to discern afterward but can be impossible to know in the moment. You know, keep in mind, this is nighttime. Uh, he was advancing at police with an object extended in front of him. You can't do that. <laughs> you, uh, breaking car windows, shattering a glass door, running when the police show up, uh, marching at the police with his hand extended and something in it, not responding to commands. How, you know, you could you could change those headlines to make them a little more realistic, you know, Potential thief charges police. How about that one? <laughs> exactly. Well, you make the point that they do eventually reveal the important facts, but they're not anywhere in the headline. They're not anywhere at the top of these articles. And these different outlets know exactly what they're doing. They know the statistics about how many people simply will read a headline and base their beliefs off of that, how many people might read a paragraph or two and stop there. Because in journalism, you are supposed to put all the most important material at the very top of the article. So people, by habit, a lot of the time will just read the first paragraph or two. If the important stuff's not there, a lot of people are going to miss it, and these publications know that. Yeah, it's, it's a very specific narrative they're trying to create. And at the end of this trumpet brief, he, Mr. Hilliker writes this, Here's another fact you don't hear nearly as much as the fiction that America is a killing field of black males. In a nation of 325 million people, 987 people were shot and killed by police last year. All black, right? (laughs) Hang on. Oh. (laughs) According to the Washington Post, of those, 223 were black and 20 were unarmed. Tragedies do occur, but even if you are black, you are likelier to be killed by a lightning strike than by a policeman. So the people out, based on these statistics, the people protesting outside of the arena last night in Sacramento were more likely to be hit by lightning and killed Mm -hmm. than be shot by a police officer. They should be protesting lightning. (laughs) Put an end to lightning. Well, they're saying it's an epidemic specifically of unarmed black men being killed. And like this says, it it was only 20, uh, what was that, Last all of last year that 
that were killed uh, who were unarmed. And so many of those stories, when you actually look into them, um, these people are not able to walk straight because their minds are so filled with drugs. Uh, they might have had like a pocket knife, which sometimes is, I guess, considered unarmed if the police are at enough of a distance. Uh, maybe maybe a boy who's playing with a fake gun and pointing it at the police got shot. Or someone like this who has another object, in this case a phone, and is pointing it at police. But basically these people are behaving in a way that is completely irrational and and out of control. Like, Why would anyone actually in their, in their right mind walk toward the police in a threatening way or start yelling at them or put their hands in their pockets and then pull something out or point anything at the police. If you want to stay alive, why would you do something like that? A lot of it has to do with the messaging of groups like Black Lives Matter. If you go on their website, they specifically say you should talk back to the police. You should resist them because they're trying to arrest you unfairly. They're trying to abuse you and you need to stand up to them. Well, that's not a very conciliatory, peaceful message for those uh, young black men to be reading. And if they go ahead and put that into practice, they're not going to live to tell about it. You know, I, a few years ago, uh, I went to New York City, and it was on the anniversary weekend of 9-11. And um, so the, it, I forget which anniversary it was. It may have been, may have been the 10th anniversary or something. It was a, kind of a significant one. So they had a lot of security. And um, I was kind of surprised when I got off the plane at at the terminal, they had armed uh, military personnel. Each of them had a machine gun. And uh, I was very careful. <laughs> not not that they were, like, you know, looking to have any problems, but, you know, you see something like that and you see some authority there and you think, I'm not going to do anything that makes me look <laughs> in any way, you know, suspicious or odd because... Why would you want to test that? Yeah. They don't know, you know, and, and, you know, we've all, I'm sure we've all seen an episode of cops at some point in our life. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now look, I know that's probably somewhat dramatized or whatever, but they have to deal with very bad situations all the time. They don't know what they're coming into. They don't know what the people are going to do. Officers are getting shot and killed at a very high rate these days. And, uh, so, what are, what are you supposed to do in these situations? You, you talked a while ago about how they tested some just regular people that weren't trained as yeah. officers to like, how would you respond in these situations? And, and they people, all failed. Yeah, they did horribly. Miserably, they failed. And, and it's a situation like this where if they were in a simulator and someone acted like this, the police would have been justified in, in shooting. And anyone who tried the simulator probably would have been corrected if they didn't shoot someone who did something like that. And yet people are still outraged. It's dark outside. You can't see what the person's holding, but you see him pointing it at you. What what do you point at somebody uh that is not a gun? Like what I don't I can't think of any other object that you would start pointing at someone unless you had a gun and were going to try to shoot it. That's a good point. I don't just thinking about my day-to-day life, I don't come across people that just stand there and purposely point something at me. Yeah, it never happens. That would make me a little uncomfortable. Like, what is that? Why are you doing that? Why are you pointing at me? And if any of these people take that simulation and they see someone pull an object out and point it at them, is their first response really going to be, I'll just wait and see what it is. I'll wait and see if I get a bullet in the head before I shoot back. Basically, you're leaving yourself at the mercy of that person and hoping it's not a gun and hoping they're not accurate enough to hit you the first time they shoot. 
and then maybe you're justified in shooting back after they've already taken a shot at you. Those are the same types of rules that hurt our military, rules of engagement where you have to wait to be shot at first, and then you can shoot back. That's just a horrible, nonsensical uh protocol that that is holding back the military and apparently people want to have the same laws apply to the police in the article they talked about the fellow that got shot and of course the relatives come out as they always do and say he was loving and he was a great father and son and all these things and a commenter pointed out well if he was such a good father why wasn't he at home with his kids what was he doing prowling around the neighborhood breaking windows i mean you know, come on. So anyway, it's uh, really interesting. That's a very, very important trumpet brief. Inflammatory, irresponsible headlines. It's just the fact, just like he says uh, in the write-up there, where some people are holding signs saying abolish the police. Is, are people even thinking abolish the police? You know, it's it's just it's just outrageous. I it makes me think of the um, the the athletes that protested and they, you know, police and that. I just thought, well, with all of your money and, and jewelry and so forth they usually wear and fancy cars, you really don't want any law enforcement <laughs> because they're going to get robbed the second that, that there's nobody there to stop it. And I also saw, speaking of those uh, protests, there's a, a, for the national anthem last year in the NFL, one of the guys that was really into that, um, nobody wants him on the team. And he came out uh, just a day or so ago and said, you know, I'll, I'll probably just, I'll be keeping active, you know, active in the community and, and, and keep up my activism, but I'll do it in a different way. And then not, not during the game anymore. Oh, money talks, doesn't it? It sure does. Because <laughs> when no one's going to pay you, then, uh, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll change my ways. The, and these are really unpopular causes, not because America is a racist country, but because people who look into the facts just see how it's all based on fiction how hands up, don't shoot was a lie, uh, how so many of these other different narratives that were created were total fabrications of the truth. And, and people say, well, how is this an epidemic if there were 20 unarmed black men shot last year and every single one of them was behaving in a threatening manner? Where's, where's the example of someone without a lengthy criminal rap sheet who got shot and who was unarmed and who was behaving the right way toward police have we ever seen that a single time if it's happened it's been very rare you know and of course mistakes can happen but boy yeah you just don't hear much about anything like that and they're looking so they're looking for those cases so if they happen more they would definitely be in the media Um, yeah all their best examples they all have been like that example in north carolina where he was threatening to kill his family and he had drugs in the car and he was uh taking his gun out of the car and wouldn't put it down or his knife or whatever it was. Uh, those are not people who are just innocent law abiding citizens who happen to be victims of police brutality. They're all people who were doing something very wrong. And it's just part of the trend of lawlessness in this country that every time, every time there's a shooting and it's committed by police, well, the police are wrong because they're on the side of the law and the other person is invariably, it seems like a criminal. They're always criminals. And they, that's the, those are the best examples they have that there's an epidemic in this country. Yeah. It's, uh, and they don't protest every person shot by the police. It's only, it depends on what, you know, race you are. I saw a story there in Huff, or a part of that Huffington Post piece, too. Uh, they interviewed, I think, somebody, I don't know if it was a local community member or somebody, but they said, they said, well, you know what they need to do? They need to uh, hire police officers that, live in the community and i thought that sounds like a disaster 
and I don't know what the policies are there, not that that couldn't work, but if you're in a gang-riddled area, you're going to hire one of them to be the cop? <laughs> don't you think there might be a little bit of uh, infiltration yeah. <laughs> there? You, th- you need somebody that's going to uphold the laws. Uh, what, what, what was going to happen in this, even this situation there in Sacramento if, if the, the officer knew him? Would they be like, hey, buddy, can you, can you stop smashing all the windows? Like, we'll let it go this time. But they, they would just allow the crime to fester. You've got to put an end to it. Uh, speak, I mean, you know, that, that was uh, Rudy Giuliani's policy, right, the broken windows. This is literal broken windows they were trying to stop because the guy was causing all kinds of trouble. But anyway. It's, it's such a rare thing. I mean, even if you divide it out by the 50 states, the 20 unarmed black men divided by 50 states, that's two-fifths of one black person per state shot who was unarmed. That is extremely rare. And so for so many millions of people in this country to be deceived by the media into thinking that they're at risk every single day in every interaction that they have, are they really going to be the two-fifths of one black person shot in their state for the entire year? Doesn't It doesn't seem very likely, especially when you look at it that way. Yeah, numbers uh, don't add up to the, all the, all the uh, upset about it. Here's an interesting story we've heard about uh, data being stolen and so forth. How much is your data worth if somebody steals it? Not as much as you'd hope, maybe. <laughs> From MarketWatch, they say your Facebook data is only worth $5.20 on the dark web. Dark web apparently you can only get to with special software, which I don't have. Uh, Facebook logins, they say, can be sold for $5.20 each because they allow criminals to have access to personal data that could potentially let them hack into more of an individual's accounts. The credentials to a PayPal account with a relatively high balance can be sold on the dark web for $247. That's a little higher. Uh, One's entire online identity, including personal identification numbers and hacked financial accounts, can be sold for only about $1,200. That's how much you're worth. That's how much I'm worth. That's because so much personal information is already available, they say to hackers. And then they break down what things get sold for if they want to steal your information. As mentioned, PayPal, $247 if they want your info. Costco, $5. Uh, ASOS Clothing Company, $2. I don't know anybody would want that. Uh, Airbnb, they can steal your account information for $8. Uber, uh, $7. T-Mobile, $10.51. Very specific number there. <laughs> DHL, $10.40. Facebook, $5.20. Gmail, only a buck. <laughs> but Grubhub's $9. Wow. <laughs> so People love their food. They love their food. Nobody wants to read your Gmails. <laughs> <laughs> All the junk mail you get in there, it's, it's not worth, worth too a, much. worth a buck on the dark web, so... I you know I don't want anybody taking my information, but you would hope that it would cost a little more, right? Yeah, we're we're really not that valuable when it comes down to it. This is just another way of b- being humbled because we're, we don't. We're, I guess we're not worth that much at all. Hackers probably take so much information from so many people that uh, it's it's a case of like it says here, supply and demand, where the supply is so high that you can't you can't really charge too much for someone's information. That's probably where it, where it pays off to be sort of a small fish. Mm-hmm. People hack your stuff and they're like, "Eh, you have nothing. You have here. five dollars in your PayPal account. I'm not paying two hundred forty-seven dollars <laughs> yeah. for that. This guy has literally no <laughs> cash flow. There's a, take all of his debts. I don't want that." Uh, here's a story from uh, Fox News. Uh, going back out to the California area, uh, you know, uh, San Francisco is like utopia on earth. I tell you. <laughs> Uh, but apparently there's some problems. Uh, it says, disturbing survey finds trash, needles, and feces littering streets of San Francisco. Why don't the residents just go inside and use the restroom? Oh, 
because a lot oh. of them are living on the streets. That's why. San Francisco has a reputation as one of the prettiest cities in the world, they say, but a survey of more than 150 downtown blocks has revealed streets covered with garbage, human excrement, and hypodermic needles across the liberal city. In all, the survey by NBC Bay Area took in 153 blocks, an area that includes City Hall and several schools. Oh, boy. Can't imagine going to school there. Mm. The investigation revealed trash littered across every block. The survey also found 41 blocks dotted with needles, 96 blocks uh, sullied with piles of feces. So gross to even talk about that. But uh, that's what you have happen uh, when uh, you allow homelessness, you allow drug use, you allow other things in cities. Uh, It turns into a cesspool. So they're surveying 153 blocks. About a third of them have drug problems, as evidenced by the needles, two-thirds uh, huge sanitation issues with the feces there. Uh, that's that's way too common. Those are not just uh, the outskirts of a city. This is downtown, uh, some of the prime real estate, some of the nicest areas, the, the prime tourist attractions. And your average block down there, more likely than not, is going to have just piles of feces. That's just disgusting to even think about. Why would anyone go there? Why would anyone want to run a business there or work there? It doesn't it's not safe, it's not clean. It's a uh, third world country level uh, filth. That's not how it should be in such a promising technological capital either. No, and uh, yeah, if you did own a business down there or something, uh it would be so infuriating infuriating. And then, too, if if for some reason you wanted to go there for a vacation or something, um, uh, you wouldn't you'd be sick or uh, scared of getting sick, just getting disease. Especially if, what if you had kids? Uh, the uh, survey results led a University of California Berkeley infectious disease expert to compare downtown San Francisco to slums in developing countries. They said the contamination is much greater than communities in Brazil or Kenya or India. Dr. Lee Riley told uh, this uh, station that looked at it, this NBC Bay Area station. Riley added that discarded needles could cause HIV, hepatitis B and C, while dried feces can cause potentially dangerous viruses. So who's going to clean all that up? And then you got to, I guess, get the the perpetrators out of there. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't, it's just, it's, you know, we know that in some of those areas there's some bad things going on, but, but, you hear a lot about how the city's booming and uh, with the tech industry and how expensive it is to live there, but then you also read something like this. This actually surprised me. I'm not usually all that surprised, but I was surprised it's that filthy. That's a staggering number of blocks out of the ones they surveyed that have problems like that. And these are problems that are in direct contradiction to what the Bible says about it and to what history would teach about it. The Bible talks about how you should remove those types of things very far from the camp. Like ancient Israel had several million people. You you should not just be relieving yourself in the middle of the camp. You go far without, and you you deal with it out there, and, and you get rid of it the right way. You don't just leave it in the middle of the city. And, and historically, the Black Plague like was caused by this kind of issue where feces were everywhere, people just went, in the streets and then rats got in that and they spread and it knocked out something like a tenth of the entire population of Europe because of these kinds of filthy practices. uh, There are rodents who will spread that very quickly. The fleas on on the rats will spread that too. I mean, you think we would learn a little bit from history like that, where it was one of the most devastating plagues ever caused by this exact same problem. 
Yeah, the uh, it reminds me of documentaries I've seen about the '60s out there in uh, San Francisco, and you know they they had their big summer of love, I guess it was, and so people went out there and were all excited about that. But even those that went out there quickly realized that it was a disaster. You can't just sit around in the park all day. You know, eventually someone's got to like make money to buy food and be productive in some way. So they had a lot of these same sort of problems where it was just filthy. Um, many diseases broke out. Uh, people got to the point of almost, uh, well, certainly malnutrition. I don't know about starvation, but malnutrition. Uh, just just deplorable living practices, and uh, and yet it, it continues to this day. And so I don't know. I don't know what, they, what they're going to do. And it's interesting, too, just the fact that they surveyed 153 blocks and found – these things on certain blocks will maybe take the survey another day. I bet it shifts around, mm. right? I mean, they probably just go to another block or another area. And my assumption would be that this is all coming from basically a homeless, drug-addicted population. There'd be no other reason for it that I could think of. Yeah, laws that, or I guess a lack of laws against homeless people basically squatting in any area of the city. And it is possible to have laws against things like that. I mean, we've talked about it before. You go into Oklahoma City, obviously not nearly as big of a population, but still hundreds of thousands of people it frequently travel in and out of there and work there and live there, and you hardly ever see a single homeless person anywhere. It might be on the outskirts uh, behind one abandoned building. You might see one, but we're talking about cities that have like L.A., 55,000 homeless people. We say that all the time just because it's a stat that you never can comprehend no matter how many times you talk about it. There there are thousands of entire towns in this country that have not nearly that kind of population, and that's just the homelessness. Uh, you, you go in a city like that or like San Francisco, and you see them lining almost every sidewalk. That's how bad the situation is, and it's all because people in in power will not pass any laws or allow the police to try to deal with it in any kind of way. Yeah, years ago I I went I was in Philadelphia and uh went down to the main sort of city area there, oh, the area where Rocky ran up the steps, Yeah. Right? And beautiful area in terms of like a lot of great historical things to look at, but there's homeless people everywhere. Sleeping in the park, you know, you there there was beautiful uh monuments and things to US history that you'd want to go look at, but there's homeless people laying there. And so, uh, you know, it's it's a tough deal for those cities. They have to try to try to do something with it. But it seems like anytime you have a large population center, you always have that going on in mm-hmm. this country. So, uh, the uh, Trumpet dot com today. Make sure you stop and check that out. The top story is why the invasion of Iraq failed. This is by Trumpet Daily Radio Show host uh, Stephen Flurry. A look back at the fifteenth anniversary of the Iraq invasion. It's been fifteen years already. The second invasion, the, not the early nineties one. It says, can we honestly say, he writes, that the invasion of Iraq was a success? Look at the condition of the nation today. Instead of a democratic free Iraq, we see a state that is an Iranian territory in all but name. And also, obviously, the breakdown of Iraq also fueled the rise of ISIS, too, and and some of those groups, too. So the fruits have been very, very bad when it comes to Iraq. And like he says... Uh, Iran pretty much runs the area now, so they just stood back, let the U.S. spend all of its uh, wealth there and uh, and uh, the blood of its soldiers, and then uh, pretty much give it over to Iran. And it's directly what the Bible says would happen with America, where our strength would be spent in vain and, and the pride of our power would be broken. We dump all these resources and all this manpower into the Middle East, 
but we don't have the will to see it through to an absolute victory. Uh, and the reality of a situation like that in Iraq is that you have to actually keep a substantial presence there. Uh, these are people that are not kind toward democracy. That's something that they've never really had uh, as part of their culture or as part of their nations. You have to enforce the right way of life there. They're not going to choose it for themselves. And if you leave, you're just creating a vacuum. And we've done that, too, where we announced a deadline for pulling out the vast majority of our troops. And that was met with praise by the media when Barack Obama did that, I believe, with Afghanistan, for example. Uh, that is just basically hope to the enemy. They see the end the end is near of all the American troops, all of their enemies leaving, and they just have to endure and survive until that happens, and then they can totally take over, and Iran has done that. Yeah, I remember when the U.S. pulled out a lot of its troops, they were they were, they were protesting the U.S. that day. They were stepping on U.S. flags and all that, so terrible situation there. Uh, also, the Key of David program this weekend, it's a new one. It's on television, and it's on the Trumpet website, and you can hear the audio here. KPCG, let God fight your battles. Uh, we all face problems and challenges in everyday life, but a power is available to you that can help you rise above any obstacle. So that's something everybody needs in their life. Really inspiring Key of David program. Some great historical examples there. Check that out. Also, uh, the Trumpet Daily, a look at the bloated potential budget budget of the budget of the of the U.S. As we speak about this, President Trump says he's considering a veto of the $1.3 trillion budget because he wants more funding for the wall and a few other things, I guess. But uh, it's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Ingram uh, doesn't like it. She says $1.3 trillion bill is an embarrassment to Trump. Uh, Fox News host warned the GOP must do better or Republicans do not deserve to be in the majority. She said, uh, we are saddling the next generation with ever-growing debt, and for what? If we truly cared about the millennials, we would firstly keep them safe by immediately funding the border wall. Then we would find real cuts throughout the federal budget to offset these radical expenditures so they wouldn't be stuck with the bill long after the military hardware and the flimsy border wall <laughs> we're buying have all rusted away. Uh, they write that Republicans should be ashamed of themselves and their failure to live up to the sweeping promises they made to the American people. We can do better, Ingram said. We must do better or Republicans don't deserve to be in the majority. Uh, Mr. Stephen Flurry on the Trumpet Daily highlights some some of the spending. And it's a huge, I forget, it's like a 2,000-page budget or something. And some of the amounts of money that are going to some of the craziest things you've ever heard of, it's outrageous, $1.3 trillion. And first of all, it is pretty refreshing to hear a commentator who is pretty open that she leans conservative actually being harshly critical of her own side whenever that's warranted. And that is something that you see more from the conservative commentators. At least they uh, do try to hold their own leaders accountable. They don't just uh, lie for them constantly in their programs. And she's absolutely right. You have to, as leaders, get results. And the Republicans got all three branches basically they got well they got the presidency and then the house and the senate so that is a lot of power that they should be using to fulfill campaign promises and really when it comes to a budget why do they have to cave into the democrats when they have all that power the democrats are the ones who want to spend and spend and spend and continue to inflate the welfare state and continue to provide for illegals you don't have to cave into them because they're not in power 
it's amazing. You have to just listen to the Trumpet Daily and his, listen to the some of the where that money's going. I forget off the top of my head all the places it was going, but it, you know who has even time to read a bill like that? Who has time to write a bill like that? The reason <laughs> the reason people, I guess, in government get kind of uh, they can agree on this is because they're all getting paid. They're all getting something. They're a special little uh, pet project, and then of course they voted a raise for themselves based upon what. Performance? I mean, <laughs> I don't think I don't think the performance has been all that great, uh, but they gave themselves a raise anyway, and uh, so it's just an astounding, astounding amount of money. And uh, th- I mean, there are things that do need funding for sure. You know, roads could be repaired, uh, infrastructure, but at the same time, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. You know, I mean, just even in a, our personal lives, it's yeah, there's lots of things we'd like to do. Maybe need to do, but mm-hmm. if we don't have the money, we, at some point we can't do it. Exactly. Oklahoma Senator James Lankford, who's actually visited the Herbert W. Armstrong campus here a couple of times, has uh, written a book about some of the waste in government. And, I mean, it starts with just the sheer amount of manpower, that the fact that there are three million people just employed by the federal government. That's not even including all the state governments. Uh, way, way, way bigger than the founding fathers intended. And even as we speak, they're on a two-week, the Senate is on a two-week recess. How many times does that happen throughout the year? How many uh, regular Americans would love to have a two-week break that is called a recess? Uh, that's that's almost like going back to elementary school and having your break after lunch. And they get to do that probably every few months, it seems like. Well, and two, I mean, it'd be nice to be able to vote a raise for yourself and then take a vacation right away. Yeah. Which is what they, <laughs> what they did. But anyway, we'll see how that progresses because President Trump said he's considering vetoing it and we'll see what happens. Of course, they're up against the government shutdown like they're always up against. And uh, it's funny. Why why would they care to keep the government open when they're all going on break for two weeks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know not everybody is, but, uh, you know, there are workers that don't, but but a lot of them are going. Uh, but uh, it says hours before f- uh, funding for the government expires, President Trump said on Twitter that he was weighing a veto because uh, based on the fact that the 800,000 plus DACA recipients have been totally abandoned by the Democrats, uh, not even mentioned in the bill, he said, and border wall, which is desperately needed for our national defense, is not fully funded. So it's kind of funny to me when they don't fully fund things. It's all debt spending anyway, right? So why why you know why pick and choose if you're just <laughs> if you're just throwing money to the wind? Uh, you might as well fund everything. But uh, and some of the stuff that was just brought up on the Trump Daily, some of the things that they're throwing a, a substantial amount of money at, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I I don't even know what these things are. They're they're odd, weird causes. Um, I wish I could remember what they all were, but there's just some bizarre things and throwing a million dollars here, a million dollars there. Uh, I don't. I, it makes you start thinking. Like maybe I should come up with some sort of a cause. <laughs> Can it, I get a million bucks? It wouldn't even take much creativity. Some of the outrageous things that they do, uh, like they they fund a lot of trivial studies and scientific research experiments that really have no purpose and serve to provide no benefits at all. But they get grant money from the government for no reason, and they get to then just. I guess spend a little bit of the money on their research and then there's millions of dollars left over. So you could imagine what they're using that money for. I mean, it is just staggering the amount of waste. And like I said, James Lankford wrote an entire book about it, a a big book about just the waste that's in the federal government. And, And we have to remember taxpayers are funding all that. These are not, these are not initiatives that are funded by the lawmakers who are allowing these things to happen. 
it's all funded by taxpayers who would not support it if they knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, if they had to vote on it, I don't think people would vote for it, that's for sure. Here, uh, the Trumpet's got some great write-ups about just finance in general. Uh, the Trumpet.com article, How to Save Money During a Recession. Uh, it says, talking about budgeting, it says, here's a basic rule for sensible budgeting, You know, whether it's a nation or yourself individually. Never plan to spend more than you can afford. Which you know, and and for the for the government especially, they're so used to overspending that that would that would be painful, all for a while. But it it would have to be done. So the whole practice of using a budget to guide our financial lives requires diligence, thorough accounting, and fortitude. Society throws many materialistic temptations our way, and human weakness is hard to overcome. But we must be disciplined throughout the year to stick to our budget. A well managed budget accounts for our needs and helps us fulfill some of our desires. Give some details in there about how you can put a budget together. Probably different ways to do it, but uh, there's a few. It says we should review and change our budget whenever circumstances change, such as a pay raise or at work or an increase in insurance costs. At least once a year, we need to review the accuracy of our budget throughout the year. We should evaluate our position to make sure we are constantly living within our means. So that's a personal challenge today because uh, everywhere we look, the... the uh, the mantra is live beyond your means. <laughs> yeah, the government's doing it. Of course, if you look at just personal debt in this country, people are doing it. So uh, everyone wants to be different, right? Well, now's the time to be different and try to live within a budget. It is hard to find even one good example to follow in this area because the whole push is, well, get get it quickly. You can pay it off in installments. You don't ever have to save for something. Uh, you don't have to even have a savings in general for when you retire, because obviously you'll be getting your social security benefits, which uh, we've seen do not really fund uh, a relaxed retirement. They, they give you the bare minimum if that, and it does help to have a personal savings to back that up. Uh, But the, the whole trend right now is just to live in the moment. That's what the U S government is doing. They're, they're just uh, saying, well, we're in power now. We're, we're fighting for votes this year and next year. And so we'll do a few things that sound nice. We won't really worry about the budget because at some point we'll be out of office, we'll be retired, and the people after us will have to deal with that. Uh, And it's such a big change, too, because the whole reason the government is even uh, passing all these things and and spending all this money is because of raised taxes, taxes that have just skyrocketed over the course of American history. And it's such a big change from how we went to war with the British over like the equivalent of a one or two cent increase in taxes on a couple of different products. That's, that's how Americans used to feel about taxes. Like if you raise the taxes without us consenting to it, without us having representation in your governing bodies, we will use our guns and we'll make sure that you get the message. And now we're just, we're just totally accustomed to just having all of our money taken in taxes. Yeah, it's the the government's become that too big to fail. That was so popular uh, to to say that in two thousand and eight when the big recession came through. You know, well, you got to bail out this bank because they're too big to fail. Or you have to bail out this because they're too big to fail. They're they're too involved. Uh, their fingers are in too many pies. And if they fail, then what you know what will happen? And that's where the government is today too. You know, there's I think everybody says, yeah, we don't want to overspend. But then if if you are in a group that's getting some of that money, you say, well, yeah, but. 
Well, I think ours is okay, though. Yeah, don't cut the part that you're giving to us. I mean, yeah. cut, cut this guy's part, and yeah. obviously he's going to be saying the same thing about you. Uh, and that's where all the endless bickering comes from. And politicians have found out it's a lot easier just to try to appease everyone by continuing to give out the money. Once you give out the money, it's going to be very painful to start taking it away from all these different groups. Yeah, and that's, I mean, really, quite frankly, when it comes to elections and so forth, that's really the main thing people care about. I mean, if a candidate came through and said, if you like me, I'll give you $100,000, I think everybody would be like, sold! You know, <laughs> exactly. I don't think anybody really can. They just want want to get what they can get, but then, of course, we set ourselves up for disaster. This trumpet write-up says, don't view budgeting as restrictive. It is a practical, real way to ensure freedom from financial worry. So something to think about on the personal level as we see the U.S. just spend itself into oblivion <laughs> it's a, it is amazing uh amazing amazing 1.3 trillion dollars what'd you say a trillion dollars was to the moon and back and back a, and back a trillion dollars is uh a quarter of the way to the moon four trillion gets oh. you all the way to the moon 20 trillion gets you four times past the moon oh, okay right because we have a 20 trillion total that yeah. yeah yeah so it, it it gets pretty pretty high pretty fast <laughs> yeah that's uh uh, you can do a lot with that money. You know, could you spend that much and get to the moon? Yes, you can just stack it up. And you can just crawl <laughs> up there. To the top. <laughs> no problem. Uh, that's all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure you listen for the uh, new Kia David program and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Also, Trumpet Hour Week in Review coming up this weekend. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your uh, day and weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.